I think if there was an award for cheesy opening videos, I could win today, don't you think? Good luck getting that out of your head later today. When you go home and you're eating lunch or you're sitting watching a ball game or whatever you're doing, I guarantee you're going to be whistling to yourself that little tune that you just heard. Well, good morning. My name is Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors on our lead pastor team here at TBA Church. So glad that you could be here. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last, I don't know, two or three months, we've been trying to be very intentional, our pastor team, every time we get up and introduce ourselves, to remind you of just a few words that are key around here, some things that remind us of our vision. So I want to test you a little bit this morning and see how many of you have been paying attention and how much you know. So each time we get up, I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors here on our lead pastor team. Welcome to TBA Church, where we are living sent as the hands and feet of Jesus. Very good. In order to impact our community and our world. So some of you have been paying attention. The rest of you, wake up, please. Okay? I want you to pay attention to that. That's something we're going to talk about a lot, and you will see how that continues to play out in a lot of the things they do. And even in this series that we're walking through, there's so many things that speak to that core vision that God has given us as a church. Before we start this morning, I just want to take a minute to say a huge thank you to my wife and the worship team for leading us in worship. Wasn't it a great experience this morning? I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased, but I love to hear her sing and just and love to hear our worship come together and watch what happens with that. Let me also just encourage you before we get rolling too fast to keep praying for our students. Many of our students are away this weekend at Winter Retreat. Um, They're up at Lakewood Retreat in Brooksville, and I know they're having a wonderful time, and God is speaking to them. But keep praying for them today as their last big day, and then they'll be packing up in the morning to head home. So keep them in your prayers. Last week, Stivey kicked off our new series, Stay Positive. These beautiful little cartoon characters that you're learning to hate already, I'm sure. The song that is stuck in your head. But he started off by challenging us to be optimistic because God has amazing promises in our lives. And there were all kinds of good points that he shared with us, but there was one statement that stood out to me. And I wanted to share it with you this morning and just kind of springboard off of this. He made a statement something like this. Satan wants us stuck on Friday. And if you remember Friday in the story, it was the day of the crucifixion, the day of Jesus' death. But Jesus is reminding us to look towards Sunday the day that he overcame death, the day of resurrection. So Satan wants us stuck on Friday, but Jesus is reminding us to look at Monday instead. And it's all about perspective. So this morning, as we start part two of this series, we're going to explore what it looks like to stay positive by choosing gratitude. Now think about that a minute. In fact, I'm going to ask you to think about a lot of things this morning. This is going to be a day of of reflection, a day of kind of looking inside ourselves and, and trying to assess what's going on inside of us, what's going on in our thought processes, what's going on in our heart. So I'm going to be challenging you to do a lot of that. Have you ever stopped to realize how much negativity we're surrounded by all the time? I mean, constantly, negativity all around us, complaining, whining, arguing. Have you ever even stopped to think about how much negativity we put out around us? And the comments we make, the things that we think, the the things that are said and done, we live among people who are world-class complainers and whiners. And do not look at your spouse right now or you will be in big trouble. Come on, though, you know what I'm talking about. People complain about everything. I mean, some of us even have the perfect justifications for why we complain. Well, you know, I'm just a guy that likes to shoot holes in things. I'm good at identifying the problem so we can fix it and make it better, right? Or God has given me the ability to be... a a realist, and I can look at a situation and I can analyze what's going on and I can find the problem so that we can fix it and everything's better. We'll just let you keep thinking that. 
It never ceases to amaze me how blessed we are, yet how ungrateful we seem to be. How blessed we are, yet how ungrateful we seem to be. Let's put it in perspective. The average person living in poverty here in the U.S., below the line of poverty on a socioeconomic status, is still in the top 3 to 5% of the world's population. Think about that. If you own a car, you're in the top 2 to 3% or above of the world's population. Yet, here's how it goes for most of us. We leave the office each day and we complain about how terrible our job is and how negative our boss seems to be most days. We drive home from that terrible job in our nice car complaining about the low fuel mileage we get and how much it costs to operate that vehicle. We pull into the driveway or into our garage at our house. We open the garage door with the push of a button. We go into our climate-controlled house complaining about how messy the garage has become and nobody will clean it up. We walk to the fridge. We open the door and we stand staring at the shelves that are stuffed full of food and we complain because there's nothing to eat, right? We go into the living room after that. We pick up our remote control. We turn on our TV where we have 983 channels to choose from and we complain because there's nothing to watch. Well, because we have no food in the fridge and because there's nothing to watch, we decide we're going to go out to eat. So we go upstairs to change clothes to get ready to go to the restaurant. We open our closet doors to a closet that's the size of some people's bedroom. We run our hands along all the clothes on the shelf and we complain because we have nothing to wear. Exactly. Not even once in all that tirade of complaining, do we stop to realize how blessed we are. We're blessed to simply have a job, own a car, own or rent a house, have food in our fridge, own a TV, much less cable, have money to go to a restaurant, a closet full of clothes, and don't even get me started on the shoe collection, ladies. (laughs) Believe me, I've seen some of your all shoe collections. You know, I wish I could say I was different, but I'm not. I think we all fall into this trap so often. It's not in my nature to be grateful, and it's not in your nature either. It's not who we naturally are. I want more, I want faster, I want bigger, and I want it better than yours. Isn't that true? We always want something more, something better. I look around at what everyone else has that's more than mine, and I'm jealous. Now, we'll say we're not, but if we're really honest, most of the time that's true. And you know, it's only recently that I've started to even recognize that in myself. God's been challenging me to to slow down in life and to be able to make the most important things the most important and to start to look at how I prioritize the things in my life. And it's amazing when you slow down just a little bit and you start to have a little time of reflection and you start to look within your heart how you see things differently. Because most of us run, 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 and we never even notice whether we're being negative or grateful. We have no idea. So I wonder, what about you? When is the last time that you really took a moment to simply appreciate or express gratitude for all the blessings in your life? How long has it been since you just stopped and thanked God for everything he's given you? You know, it's interesting, there's been quite a bit of research done on this idea of being grateful, this this positive value of gratitude. And what they've found is that gratitude is one of the positive values that tends to unlock a lot of other positive values, things like generosity, 
Things like thankfulness. Things like encouragement. But the tragedy is this. Very few people ever experience a true heart of gratitude. Very few people ever experience a true heart of gratitude. We rush from one thing to the next, complaining as we go, and we never take a moment to be grateful for what we have. And this is not just our struggle. This has been going on for thousands of years. In fact, there's a great story in the New Testament that points this out very clearly. It's an encounter with Jesus, and it's in Luke chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 11, if you'll go with me. Verse 11 of Luke 17. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now I want to pause right here because I don't want you to just take for granted what you just read. I want you to have understanding of what's going on. Ten men who are cursed with leprosy. In this time, in Jesus' time, leprosy was hopeless. Literally, there was no cure, there was no treatment, there was nothing. It was terrible. Today, we have a cure for it. We have medical treatments. We can handle it. But in Jesus' day, you were left with zero hope if you had leprosy. And let me explain a little bit about what leprosy is. And you probably know a lot of this stuff, but I want to make sure we have understanding. Leprosy is this disease that affects your skin primarily, and you end up with boils or lesions on your skin, and a lot of times they'll ooze continuously, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's no way that you can soothe the pain that comes with it. And then on top of that, it affects your nervous system. And so your arms and your legs and your hands and your feet, the nerves basically shut down or die. And you get to a point where you have zero feeling. And so now you do damage to your body because you have no feeling. You don't even know when pain happens. You don't know if you cut your finger. You don't know if you burn yourself. You know nothing because you've lost all that feeling in your appendages. Oftentimes, people who had leprosy would wake up one morning and they'd realize they had lost a finger or lost a toe because a rat had gnawed it off in the night. And they couldn't feel it and they didn't know. And I know you're sitting there going, ooh, that's gross. But I want you to understand how serious it is. I want you to understand what the disease did to these guys. And here they stand calling out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They've been humiliated. They've been isolated from the village. Notice where it says they are. They're a distance from the village. Leprosy was believed to be easily caught. That's not true, but that was what was believed in that day. And so if you had leprosy, they literally cut you off from the population. They put you outside of town. You could only stay with other lepers. You couldn't be around anyone else. There was no human interaction. There was no normal relationship. So they've been cut off emotionally. They've been cut off physically. And on top of that, add the humiliation to it of every time someone walks by, they have to yell out, unclean, unclean. As if it's not bad enough that I have to stay outside of town with other people. I look like this. I have no feeling. I'm going through all the, the misery of this disease, and now I have to embarrass myself again by yelling out that I'm unclean so that you stay away, that you keep your distance. Think about where these guys are coming from. Jesus shows up, and they've heard all these stories about Jesus. Here's this amazing man who's coming and he's healing people. He's making them whole. He's doing these miraculous things. And they think, finally, there's an ounce of hope. This is one thing that we can possibly believe in and have hope. And they yell out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And look how the story continues. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, 
Let's not make light of this verse either. There is an entire chapter in the book of Leviticus, I'm pretty sure it's Leviticus 13, that talks just about skin diseases, specifically leprosy. And there's an entire process that people have to go through where if they are healed of leprosy, they have to go and present themselves before the priest. The priest has to basically sign off on it to say, yes, they're clean, they can come back into society, everything is good. And so Jesus just automatically says, go see the priest. You've got all these boils and lesions all over you. You know you have leprosy. You have no feeling in your arms and your legs. Everything's terrible, but go show yourselves to the priest. Everything's good. And as they walk towards the priest, they're healed. Just like that. One statement, and they are miraculously healed. The lesions and the boils are gone. The feeling comes back. Think about being those ten guys. You've suffered with this. You've been on the outskirts of town. You've been isolated, cut off, having to yell unclean, going through everything they've gone through, and now they're healed with one statement. And watch what they do. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Ten guys desperate for healing. Desperate for wholeness in their life. Jesus heals them with one statement. And one person comes back. And he wasn't even a Jewish person. He wasn't even a believer in the law. He wasn't even a believer in in who Jesus was as a prophet. He's a Samaritan. He was already labeled as scum in the area. And yet he's the one who comes back and shows gratitude and says thank you to Jesus. You know, if I'm in that situation, I think how could I not turn around and give gratitude? How could I not turn around and say thank you for what Jesus has just done? But do we? Do we? Do we take time to be grateful even in the moments like this one, or do we tend to respond with something more like this? Well, it's about time. Thank God that chapter is over in my life, and I can get back to life as normal. How many times do we just blow off something amazing that happens in our life? Because we feel entitled, and we think it's what should have happened. You know, I can't speak for you guys, but I know for me, I desperately want to be that one guy. In fact, that's my challenge to you this morning, is to be that one guy, the one who turns around and expresses gratitude for what Jesus has done for him, the one who's thankful, who takes time to recognize the blessing that he's just received. He's been struggling with this literally life-ending disease, and he's healed miraculously, and he turns and he says, thank you. It's a great ideal being the one person with gratitude. But the reality is it's not that easy because it's not natural for us. It's not in our nature to be optimistic like Brian talked about last week. It's not in our nature to be grateful. It's often not natural. But I would challenge you to say it's necessary. It's necessary because if we're going to live as the hands and feet of Jesus if we're going to live out the vision God has given us, we have to be people who are grateful. We have to recognize the blessings that God has given us. And so this morning, I want to take some time to give you three statements that I think will help us to have a heart of gratitude, that will help to change our perspective a little. And these aren't life-altering things. They're things you've probably heard before, 
but I want you to take some time to really reflect on them this morning. And the first is this. I'm grateful because I know that every good thing I have comes from God. I am grateful because I know that every good thing I have comes from God. James says it this way in his letter to the believers, James 1, 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the giver of all that is good in our lives. God is good, period. Simple. He is good. He's good when we see his goodness, and he's even good when we can't understand his plan. Everything is his, the whole earth and everything in it. He is the giver of everything good in our lives. In fact, you look back across the scriptures, you look at all the different stories and characters who play into the story of the Bible, and you see over and over and over and over again where God is the giver of good gifts. Think with me for a moment. He gave Noah the plans for the ark to save his family. He gave Abraham a son who was very late in life, past childbearing age, and that son was what birthed the nation of Israel. He gave Moses the ability to speak without stuttering when he approached Pharaoh. He gave the Israelites manna to eat while they were in the wilderness and starving to death. He gave David the stone to kill Goliath. He gave Jonah a huge fish to swallow him up and spit him out on the shore safely. Now stop and pause right there for a minute. Do you think Jonah saw it as one of God's great gifts and blessings when the whale swallowed him? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be thinking, wow, this is a great blessing, God. But it was one of God's blessings. It changed Jonah's life. He gave Mary the courage to say yes to having a baby who would change the world. He gave the apostles the ability to stand in the face of opposition and proclaim the gospel truth to a lost and dying world. He's given you and I the gift of Jesus Christ, whose death and resurrection allows us to stand in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And as Jesus left the earth, he sent us a gift of the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to convict us, and to lead and guide our hearts. Every good gift comes from God. Everyone, even when we have trouble seeing it as good. Even when we have trouble seeing it as good. I have this friend that I love to death, but sometimes he just drives me nuts. He is so positive all the time. You see this guy, you walk up to him, you go, hey, how's it going? His response is, I'm blessed. And I go, yeah, but how are you doing? I'm blessed. That's the response he gives all the time. And, you know, there are some people who say things like that, and I go, yeah, whatever. But this is a guy who I know. I know him well. We've been friends for a long time, and he's genuine when he says it. That's really how he sees life. I'm blessed. And it doesn't matter whether things are going good in his life or whether things are going bad. You get the same response out of him. I'm blessed. I can't think of a time when I've heard something different. And I know he's walked through some nasty stuff but he somehow has come to a place in life where he's developed a heart of gratitude to where he sees God's blessings in his life. And even when things are not going well, that's his response. And I'm sure there's times that he feels that way, and I'm sure there's times where he just chooses to say that or to take that stance. But that's his response all the time. I'm blessed. And the reality is that should be the answer that each of us gives. Because we are. We're truly blessed. Even in our darkest moments, God is still good and we are still blessed. So I want you to hear this morning that our first step in moving towards a heart and a perspective of gratitude is simply to remember that every good thing we have comes from God. And the second thing is this. I'm grateful because I will not let what I want rob me of what I already have.
Read back through that. Let us think in a second. I'm grateful because I will not let what I want rob me of what I already have. In other words, I will not allow my selfish desires to rob me of the blessings that God has already given me. King Solomon, known as one of the wisest men to ever walk the face of the earth, said it this way, Ecclesiastes 6.9, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. That seems to be kind of a pattern that runs through Ecclesiastes. It's meaningless, like chasing the wind. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Don't we all get stuck on this sometimes? It's the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing. And sometimes it's not even about people around us. Sometimes it's just about our own selfish desires, wanting more and more and bigger and better. And somehow we think that if we have more, that it will satisfy us. When in reality, the opposite is true. The reality is gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Let that sink in. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. It is a different perspective, a different mindset. It's not happy people who are grateful, but rather grateful people who are truly happy, who experience joy. We're talking about a, a concept of contentment here. Being content with the things we have, being okay with what God has blessed us with, realizing how blessed we truly are. Stop for just a moment and think about the blessings that you have in your life. For all of us, even if things aren't great in our family, we have a certain number of family and friends who love us and walk with us and do life with us. Look around. We obviously all have clothes to wear. Some of you are looking at some of the people around you and saying, thank you, Jesus, we have clothes to wear. Be honest. We all have shoes on our feet. Some of you have an entire collection of shoes you can choose from. We'll all go home today to our houses that protect us from the wind and the rain and the storms that come. We have food to eat, and we even live in a society that makes food available when we're struggling to feed our families. Most, if not all of us, have a car to drive. And I would almost guarantee that every person in the room, or at least almost every person in the room, has some kind of cool technology type of gadget with them this morning either in your pocket, your smartphone, or your tablet that's laying in your lap that you're following the scriptures with, or your fancy watch on your wrist, or whatever it may be. And not only do we have this cool technology, but what do we do with our technology? Before it's even old, before it even quits working, we're automatically upgrading to the next big and better thing, right? Getting better technology. We have all kinds of stuff. But even if you stripped away all the material things even if you stripped away everything I just mentioned, we're still blessed. But how often do we recognize that? You know, I go to Honduras to visit people at our sister church at El Zapote, and I'm blown away every time I go. Because here's a people who, from our standards, have so little. But you hang out with them a little while and you realize how much they have. We think they have so little, but yet they have so much. And then there's us, on the flip side, who have so much, but yet we think we have so little. We think we have so little. We're abundantly blessed in every area of our lives, relationally, spiritually, materially, but we don't recognize it very often. In Philippians 4, Paul talks about how he's learned to be content. It doesn't matter whether he has excess or has nothing. He's learned to be content. 
to be happy with the blessings God has given him. Why is it so hard for us to understand that Christ is all we need until we find ourselves in a place where Christ is all we have? Why is it that we so often don't recognize our blessings until they're gone? The flip side of that coin, we often don't recognize how little we actually need until we have all that we think we want and realize it's still void, adding nothing to our lives. I met a new friend a couple weeks ago as we traveled to Israel and had a lot of cool conversations with him. This guy's a a very successful businessman, and from world standards, he has a lot. He's really been blessed. His businesses have gone well. And he'll even tell you, if you ask him questions, you know, he's been able to, to kind of buy what he wants and do what he wants and travel where he wants, and, and just he has that ability. And what I love about him was he's a very humble guy at the same time. I mean, he doesn't flaunt the fact that he has money or that he's been successful. You have to ask questions. He's honest with you, but you have to kind of explore it. And so we're sitting talking one morning, and I'm getting to know him better, and he's sharing some stories, just sharing about what God's been doing in his heart and sharing about things that God's been challenging with and changes he's making in his businesses and changes he's making in his life. And he starts through a story, and he's telling me all these different things that are happening, and, and then he shares this one statement that just floored me and completely humbled me. And I've heard people say this before, but often, to be honest, a lot of the people I've heard make this comment I didn't have enough respect for it to even listen. He said something to this effect, and I won't get it exactly right, but he said, I've been blessed way beyond what I deserve. I've been able to buy and do about anything I want, travel almost anywhere I want to go, and I've realized that none of it fulfills. At the end of the day, it's still my family and friends and the purpose and calling that God has put on my life that really matters. And he made that statement casually and kept going in his story because he was telling me about all these things that God's doing in his heart. But I was stuck right there. He kept telling the story, but that phrase kept replaying in my mind over and over. And I went, wow, how often do I miss the boat in this area? I get so wrapped up in wanting more and bigger and better that I lose all appreciation for the innumerable blessings that God has poured out in my life right now today. Here's a guy that from a worldly perspective has it all, but he's searching for how God wants him to use all that he's been blessed with in order to benefit the kingdom. He's asking about the purpose God's put in his life. And he's simply seeking to be obedient, and he is grateful for all that God has given him. And I needed a kick in the pants to remind me of my own blessings. I will not let what I want rob me of what I already have, of what God has blessed me with. We need to hear that clearly today. This is part of having a heart of gratitude. And now, one last statement I want to share with you. And this one's probably the most difficult. I am grateful because I choose to turn every blessing I have into praise. I'm grateful because I choose to turn every blessing I have into praise. I heard somebody say once that every time I choose not to turn a blessing into praise, it turns into pride. It becomes entitlement. It becomes something that I think that I've worked for, that I think that I've earned, that I think that I deserve, instead of stopping to realize that it's a blessing that has come from God above, something that He has given to me. I love how King David put it 
In Psalm 103, he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. God is enough. He is enough. Whether we're being showered with material blessings or whether we're walking through the most difficult time of our life, God is enough. And we should praise Him with all that we are. And I'm going to be honest here. I got through writing a good portion of this that I wanted to share this morning and I, I just sat struggling with, is this even where I want to go? Can I even say these things in reality? Because it is so hard when you don't see with your own eyes the good things that God is doing and when you don't understand His plan to have this perspective of gratefulness, to see that God truly is good. You know, over the last couple years, I've had what I'll call the unfortunate privilege of walking with several families in our church who have gone through absolute tragedy. They've lost someone unexpectedly, lost health unexpectedly, lost a job, lost finances, had a business go under, had something happen that just caught them completely off guard and was true tragedy in their lives. And I'm not talking about just drama that some of us go through. I'm talking about families who have experienced tragedy. And I thought about some of those families this week and I went, can you say this when you're walking through those kinds of moments? And that's when I realized that I've been encouraged by those families walking through those tragedies, not because of the tragedy itself, but because I've watched the perspective that has come in their lives. Because I've watched how they've experienced hope that only God can give in the midst of complete tragedy. When it seemed like everything else was lost, they've experienced hope. I've watched as they have gained perspective that only God can give because they're able to express gratitude for their blessings even in the midst of agonizing pain. See, the verses that we read here, they don't tell us that things in life are going to be perfect. They don't tell us things are going to go according to our plan. But they remind us that God is good even when they don't go according to our plan. They remind us that God is good even when we don't understand the things that are happening in life. They remind us that the blessings we have are still good because it's what God has given to us. See, it's verses that remind us to have an eternal perspective, not just temporal. It's what Stivey was talking about last week when he talked about us getting stuck on Friday instead of looking to Sunday. We get stuck looking at our circumstances. We get stuck in the problems that we're facing instead of looking at the hope that God offers. God is good no matter what. And our circumstances today do not dictate our eternity with God. Gratitude is a choice. And when we recognize that all of our blessings come from God, when we choose to focus on the blessings that He's given us instead of worrying about what we think we want, and then when we choose to offer God praise for every blessing He's provided in our lives, we will experience true gratitude. And that perspective of gratitude will allow us to experience joy like never before. Band, you guys come on up.
as they come, I want to ask two questions, and I want you just to ponder these things. And the first is this. Are you approaching life with a heart of gratitude, or are you stuck in a pattern of negativity? Only you can answer this. And it's going to take some honest self-assessment. Are you walking through life with a heart of gratitude, or are you stuck in a pattern of negativity? And the second question is this. If you are not living as someone who is truly grateful for God's blessings, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? How will you step back and begin to recognize those things and begin to appreciate them and ex- begin to choose to be, great, to be grateful? Because we don't always feel grateful. And even if you do all three of these things that I'm talking about, you're not always going to feel grateful. Sometimes gratitude is just a choice we make. It's a choice that we make to slow down and reflect long enough to realize how blessed we are. I think for most of us, we run so fast, we never see the blessings we have in life. All we see are the obstacles that we're trying to overcome. That's the only thing we ever look at. The band's going to do a song that's kind of new to you. And I'm going to encourage you this morning that instead of standing and worshiping with them during this first song, just stay in your seats and just listen to the words and just think. And allow God to speak to your heart. And I would challenge you to go back to these two questions and ask these things of yourself. How are you approaching life? Is it with a grateful heart or a negative heart? And if it is with negativity, what are you going to do? Because it's great for us to stand here and talk about it. It's great for us to talk about the ideal. It's great for us to say, oh, we want to be grateful people. But then we walk out of here and we go to lunch or we go to our next activity. We do whatever we're going to do and we forget all about it. Change doesn't happen here sitting in these seats. Change happens because you choose to spend time with God and allow Him to speak to your heart. Change happens because you ask friends to come into your life and hold you accountable and walk with you. Change happens because you put an action plan into place to do something about it. So what will you do about it? I'm going to pray and then I'm simply going to ask you to respond in obedience, whatever that looks like. Maybe you want to come up front and pray, fine, come pray. If you want to talk to somebody, come talk. I'll be up front, I'm available. I'm sure some other people will be available to pray with you as well if you need that. Go to a friend, sit and talk to them, pray with them. Write on your connection card. I need somebody to follow up with me, talk to me. I'll call you this week, I promise. Don't write your name down if you don't want me to call you. You respond however God leads. But if he's challenging your heart this morning, don't leave without doing something. Don't leave without putting some kind of action step into place. Let's take a moment to pray and then you reflect. God, I just thank you for today. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have just to to be here and to learn more about you, God, to be able to experience the many blessings that you have given us in life. God, I know for most of us, we struggle to be grateful for the things that you've given us. We so often get caught in the trap of thinking that we need more and wanting more and and wanting bigger and better and God, we get so distracted and miss the point so many times. So I just pray that this morning as as we sit and we reflect on the song, as we reflect on these questions, that this would be a moment where you would just speak loudly to our hearts. 
And I pray that our hearts would be open to hear you speak. God, I don't know what's necessary. I don't know how we need to respond. I don't know what it is exactly you want to do this morning, but I'm trusting you to move. And we just simply ask for your presence and your power here today. Have your way in this place. In your name we pray.